Blog Talk Radio. In much less detail, the podcast where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. Here are your hosts, Jay and Dre. All right, there, I was on mute. It is In Much Less Detail, the podcast. We are live. Dre just got on the show. He was eating dinner as we were getting ready to go live here, so he's taken another one for the team, had more problems with his bowling. This has just become, you know, I, I guess it's better to have problems with bowling than with the blog talk radio, but we are live. This is the week two NFL recap. It's Wednesday, September 19th, 2018, 10 p.m. Central Time. I am Jay. Dre is eating away, getting ready for the show. Well, another wild week in the NFL. I, I was at the one of the wildest games, probably the most controversial game, if you, if you follow any of the press, uh, with the way that the rules are being applied in the league. I got to see it all live. I have to say that with the, with the speed of the game and as you're watching the ball come out of these quarterbacks' hands, you're, you're really not paying a lot of attention to what's happening to the quarterback after the ball is let go. So it's un- it, unfortunately you have to pick up a lot of this from just the fact that you, you think you've seen something amazing and then the refs walk, you know, and the ref just cuts in through the loudspeaker and the uh, PA system and announces that there's a penalty. And you're like, oh, okay. And then you wait for the scoreboard to replay it. And the scoreboards aren't doing too good of a job of uh, showing anything that might call into question some of these calls. And it would, it seemed like every time there was one of these uh, late hit calls on the quarterbacks, we had three of them in this game between the Vikings and the Packers that I was at every time it went up to the jumbotron, it cut out like right as the guy was about to get hit. So of course I had to wait until after the game to see what all the uh, big deal was about. And it was pretty much what I expected. We, you can't touch the quarterback anymore. It's basically what it's come down to in in the game of football. And Dre, Dre how's how's dinner? Did we lose him? Mm-hmm. Yummy. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, there you go. Me. You're there. <laughs> I mean, I was trying to mute and make sure I wasn't smacking into everybody's ears. How you doing, everybody? So you're around. You? So another another you interesting what? week. Yeah, you got the story of the week. It's it's perfectly fine that I'm running late again because my janky-ass <laughs> bowling alley again uh, breaks down again while we're bowling again and has me running completely late. But I did make it in uh, just right before the show started to uh, be able to log in before any real connection issues could arise. That's the real key to Blog Talk Radio. We've learned now is getting in as early as possible to make sure we, we don't have any issues. So I'm here, you're here, we're all connected, but I, this really could be your hour-long show tonight because I don't really have much to, to say about what happened, even though I watched the whole game too here. It happened to be the local game here in Memphis. 
Uh, so I got my thoughts about it, but I definitely wanted to have you uh, spin your tale of the of the being the man on the scene and being there live to uh, witness a game that had about a thousand different points of interest. Yeah, well, you know, as far as the actual X's and O's of the game goes, what it, it boils down to for me is that that was a 20-7 to 7 game uh, going to have Packers way going into the fourth quarter. And that the fourth quarter just by itself was just complete mayhem. You had the Packers just who had bottled up Kirk Cousins and the Vikings for three plus quarters, uh, basically couldn't stop anything. They give up a 75 yard bomb, get the top taken off the defense by Stefan Diggs. They let Adam Thielen make a miracle catch at the goal line in basically double coverage Two, the balls going through like the arms of two defenders and, and basically threads a needle to get into Thielen. I witnessed the two-point conversion attempt because uh, I was looking right down the tunnel, right at that corner of the end zone. And uh, you know, you, when you see these things on TV, I don't think you could appreciate how precise and how amazingly accurate some of these throws can be. Because um, the fade route into the corner to Stefan Diggs on the two-point conversion it was indefensible. No, nobody, mm-hmm. nobody could have stopped that play the throw was perfect didn't matter where the defender was it was basically just a pitch and catch and if the throw was in the right spot it it was going to go in and that just that just shows you the the quality of having a quarterback who can drop in a throw with that much precision and that much touch and Kirk Cousins for as horrible as he played and and tried to play something horrible in the fourth quarter through a through a pick although the pick that he threw went right through the uh, the receiver's hands. I think that was Treadwell who oh, he yeah. caught on a he caught on a slant and the ball basically hits him right on the hands in stride, perfect throw and pops up in the air and the Packers get a pick there. There were four or five or six different times in that fourth quarter being at the game. It was over. You 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 had that final moment um where it was just it the you know, I could imagine Wayne Larrabee up there probably four times calling, doing his dagger call, you know, because it <laughs> felt like every time things would go the Packers' way, there'd be another and another and another chance for them to completely ice away the game. And it, it just, it never really, it never really, you know, went to fruition. Then they have uh, Crosby misses the field goal at the end of regulation. Then they go into overtime, and it's just a complete, you know, the, the the Vikings go down, miss their field goal, you know. And, again, you, you're, you're, you're t- tweeting about the, the icing, the kicker. They were both doing it to each other. McCarthy and uh, the Vikings were both icing each other's kickers, and it worked every time. Every time yeah. the Vikings would line up for one of their game-winning kicks, McCarthy would call the timeout. And then every time, uh, you know, when the Packers had their chance to win the game, they, oh, there comes the timeout. I was like, oh, boy. Okay, so this is the way it's going to be. And then the Packers get their only drive of the overtime. Uh, take a, a great drive down to about the 35-yard line. You're thinking, okay, this is long field goal range. Just don't screw up. And they screwed up. So from that point at the 35-yard line, Aaron Rodgers it looked like he was going to go on a keeper, almost like a read option, and it looked like he was going to keep it and then just dropped it and had to fall on top of it and then took a sack on third down. It was very Matt Ryan-esque, that final drive uh, that the Packers had in the overtime. So then they end up punting the ball away, and then the Vikings just walked, waltz right down the field and blow the field goal. 
So you end up with this 29-29 tie. Now, the, the, the whole thing of this game for me was being at a tied football game because I don't. A lot of people don't get that opportunity. It was bizarre. I mean, the the feeling, you know, of being in the stadium. You've got a lot of Vikings fans and all the Packers fans everybody yelling at each other. It's just, you know, just, just pissed vinegar. And, oh, you guys suck. You guys suck. There's some language, foul language going around in the stadium, and people are pointing and taunting. And when they missed that last kick, it's like everybody, all the air was just let out of the stadium. Everybody just kind of looked at each other and was like, well, okay, <laughs> I guess it's time to go. Yeah, no. Are you what, not what entertained? You, you can't you can't you can't taunt the other team. They can't taunt you. Right. You and, suck. Yeah. You taunt. Yeah. Well, uh, no. you suck. You uh, Yeah. Uh. So so then you have so you just have that this this feeling, it's just this stillness. It was the quietest walk. I mean, because it's you know, it's a decent, <laughs> you know, three quarters of a mile walk back to the car. Brutally hot day. It was 87, 88 degrees. It was a really hot ball game. Uh, we were in the sun for a good half of it. You, you're just walking and, you know, I just keep commenting. My wife and I are commenting to each other just how weird. You know, it didn't matter how many times you have to tell somebody or be told that, yes, a tie is better than losing. Statistically, and in, you know, in the standings, a tie will always win you a tiebreaker. Because you had one less loss than the team that you'd potentially be tied with at the end of the season, but it just it just didn't feel like you like you basically you felt like you sat there for three and a half hours for nothing. Well, and, you kind of it was just <laughs> yeah, it was just sort of this just empty, especially as tense, and you know you're just you're waiting for the the finality of it. You just knew the Vikings were going to kick the field goal and. Okay, well the Packers they fought hard and Aaron Rodgers did it, you know, did it again limping around on one foot and jumping around back there and they made a few good plays. Actually made a few plays running the ball, kind of just surprised mm-hmm. the Vikings a few times, took off running. Um I think more just to show them that he could versus any kind of a of a strategy where that was his intent. But hey, if it was there, he was going to take off. And in a couple of times, he was still with one leg faster than the guys that were chasing after him. Well, we we noted that to a Vikings fan who was sitting right by us, like, yeah, you know, a quarterback with one leg, he's running faster than your defensive guys. <laughs> That's uh, it was all I, I, the guts of Aaron Rodgers continues yeah. to amaze me. I just, I was watching, I, I, one of those runs, I definitely wanted to get your vantage point on that. Uh, I think maybe the first time he scrambled for a first down, the next yeah. play he hands it off and he, on the, on, on camera, I definitely noticed him turn away as he was handing off as if his leg was about to buckle and collapse. And I didn't, I don't yeah, know if he, you had noticed that. He was gingerly walking around a few times in the game. Uh, every time he would get sacked or any time there was a pile up around the quarterback, you just were like, you know, you had that, oh, no, mm-hmm. this is this is the one. But he, he got up every time. He, he limped around a little bit. He had the huge brace on the knee, which I kind of, you know, wasn't too shocked to see. Right. Um, but, yeah, it's an M, M for an MCL strain for, for what he's got going on. That is uh, 
to play through that, you know, give them all the credit. They 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 should have won the game, but yeah, it was defensive lapses in the fourth quarter, which you kind of know with you know with the Packers, it was like, okay, when were they going to show up against a class team? You know, and the Vikings, you know, the, the Vikings aren't this bad, and the Packers aren't this good. It's all going to even out, and it evened out in the ultimate way. It was a tie. Um, the big play, obviously, that was all talked about was the Clay Matthews play. If you were eating and didn't hear me talking about that, I didn't really see it because okay. it was a long bomb. So as soon as the ball leaves Kirk Cousins' hands, you're tracing the ball. Okay. You know, so it's in, it's intercepted actually. So that's the ball game. The ball game's over. Everybody's cheering. Yay! Game. Yeah. You know, game's over, and then, you know, you get the uh, the ref on the PA, you know, personal foul, you know, and so I'm thinking, oh, okay, you know, Matthews is a step step too late again. It's very similar to what happened against the Bears, and then they cut up to the Jumbotron, and it was weird because it, the replay cut off right as Cousins let go of the ball. But I'm watching them like, okay, Cousins is letting go of the ball, and Matthews is already in his, in his rib cage. So what what am I missing here, right? So <laughs> didn't you know? So then after the game, we got the pre post game on the radio because it takes forever to get out of this parking lots and everything. And they're talking about how it was one of the well, you know, he laid on him or he drove him into the ground. And then you actually go and you watch the replay, and he didn't really do either. Nope. Because, you know, Cousin, Cousins put so much into that throw, he was pretty much airborne at the point when Matthews hit him. And then Matthews did his damnedest not to lay on him. Yeah. He actually went out of his way to to prop himself up so that he didn't lay on Kirk Cousins. And and then the NFL doubles down this week and goes, yep, we're going to that, – that's textbook, exactly what they should be calling. So it's official. You can't hit. You can't touch the quarterback anymore. You can't hit him high. Can't hit him low, and you can't hit him in the middle. That's very limiting. Um, I don't know what that leaves you. Yeah, it's funny because I'm watching the promos that they're starting to, that they're cutting uh, right now for NFL Network because they're going to be doing uh, this the, the, a football life with Lawrence Taylor. Oh God! Every single highlight they showed of Lawrence Taylor is a penalty. The following film is rated TVMA for the yes. gratuitous violence you're about to see. Uh, yeah. Lawrence well, no, Taylor no, no. Driving no. the quarterback into the ground, laying on the quarterback. I mean, everything that's that made what I'm saying, him one of, greatest, he's one of the greatest of all time. But mm-hmm. if, he, if he was playing today, he'd be a, a cheap shot artist. Right. By today's standards, a Lawrence Taylor highlight film is like violent imagery. Yes. <laughs> yes. In today's NFL, Lawrence Taylor is Vontez Perfect. Pretty much, and it's just Pretty funny that you're that I'm watching these highlights, and you and, and even NFL Network or anybody who are showing all these highlights, it's like, do they just not get the hypocrisy of what they're showing? I I think they get it, and they really don't care because we we all know why. Yeah, so so that was my take on the game. You know, none none of that stuff, none of the shenanigans at the end of the game have to happen if the Packers actually play a little defense in the fourth quarter, which. They didn't, um, but you know, the, and the, but the Vikings are clearly the more talented team. We got one of the cheapest covers I think you can ever get, and is my lock. Oh, thank you. And your lock, yeah. So what? One of the yeah, because you know you're thinking it, there's there's multiple moments that the Packers up. Oh, it's sewn up. It's over. It's over. It's over. 
and for it to ultimately end up in the tie. I, I guess it was the perfect ending to a, to a game that was that back and forth, especially late that was like that, even though the, the Vikings never led. That's right. Never led um, at all in, in that game. And, uh, you know, I thought, the you know, but the Packers to have it sewn up that many times to have to settle for a tie there where they, they clearly could have gone up 2-0 in the division, um, it, it, it hurts them both. Um, but both, you know, with the Bears uh, one and one, you know, the Lions zero and two now. Um, you know, that, that that's still going to be it's still a race in that division. Obviously, it's only two weeks by. But the, the Packers, I guess, did what they needed to do. They they haven't lost yet. Neither of the Vikings. They're undefeated. Part of why it was such a strange game is because for all those opportunities the Packers had to put it away, you're absolutely right. At the same time, if the Vikings had a place kicker once again, mm-hmm. they would have won the game easily. So well, Crosby had the first shot. The game, right. the game doesn't go to overtime if Crosby takes care of his business. Now, granted, it was a 52-yard field goal, but that goes through the uprights. It's 32-29, and... We don't have any of the stuff happening. The, the kicker for the Vikings still has a job. So, uh, well, maybe not. <laughs> he, he should be. But, he shouldn't be sending any Christmas cards to Mason Crosby. Hey, he nailed it the first one, except the timeout canceled it. So and it was uh, it was a low low kick, low driving kick. I didn't think he had. And then of course it goes through, and everybody's cheering, and then the, and then the ref runs out. You know. Day late and a dollar short. Oh, wait a minute. They right. called timeout. Like, oh, jeez. Don't, don't anyone ever tell me it doesn't fucking work. Those time, those last second timeouts, they absolutely sometimes work. My well, only they worked three times in that game. Yeah, and some people say that it doesn't work, and I've, I've of course, heard over the years, oh, they need to abolish it. They need to make that illegal because it never works anyway. Don't fucking tell me it never works. It doesn't work all the time. But it absolutely does work some of the time. Well, it's just you're asking. It doesn't mean that it didn't. It, it doesn't necessarily work or not work. The the first kick, the the timeout had been called. So yes, had the timeout not been called, the game would have been over. But he still had to go out and make the kick. Uh, that's my point. I'm not saying necessarily that Crosby choked on the second one. I'm just saying well, it, it worked. It's not easy. Yeah, it, it was it, it, exactly. It was easy it's to an, kick a ball 156 kick. feet. We'd all be doing it. Right. It, it was a difficult kick, and to make someone try it twice as opposed to right. once, that's what you want. You don't want them to get the one shot and nail it. You, if you can make them try it twice, make them try it twice. Sure. Uh, yeah, I, I got a lot of thoughts about this game. I'm probably going to stumble over most of them because I'm a little frazzled from running in as, as late as I did. But uh, great job of hosting the first 20 minutes. I knew you had a lot of uh, vantage points and stories about that game because that was, that, was, that was a something. That was an yeah, event two, that, you, two, that you attended. Two weeks in a row, the Packers are in sort of the, the game of the week, I guess. Yeah, the game that everyone was talking about. No doubt about yeah. that. Uh, first of all, I would be remiss to uh, the low-hanging fruit. Again, the, the second name of our show, Kings of Non-Sequitur, should also be low-hanging fruit. I would be remiss if I passed this opportunity up to say 
that Donovan McNabb is out there at Lambeau Field waiting for them to continue the game. Hey, hey! Had to take that. Um, wow. Yeah, low-hanging fruit. I, I had Two weeks in it. a row. He's, he's waiting around. He's looking around at all these ties going, what's going on out here, man? They, yeah. Why aren't they still playing the game? Uh, hello, you played to win the game. Second of all, uh, LeCron. Hello, there it is. you played to win the game. Herm was a little late coming, but there he was. Second of all, Treadwell, uh, he's lucky that uh, that kicker was not the only person cut after that game because that kid. <laughs> he had a bad game. He's not an NFL receiver. He may have uh, he, he may be Tavon Austin right now. He might have a lot of tools and a lot of speed and, and a lot of athletic ability, but he doesn't have the hands to be an actual receiver. So that's pretty clear to me. Uh, yeah, that was uh, bizarre. The whole the most bizarre thing to me maybe is still how well Aaron Rodgers is playing with a clearly torn ligament in his knee. I don't care what they want to tell me. I don't care what reports that they choose to release or not release or what they want to call it a strain or sprain or what dude tore something in his knee. I'm sorry. He just did. Uh, If you were a baseball player, he'd be out for the next two months minimum. Uh, if he were a basketball player, he'd be out for the next two months minimum. But he's a football player, and they they let football players play through anything they want as long as uh, as long as they're willing to go out there and put their bodies on the line. So good on Aaron Rodgers, I guess, for showing the guts to play through it. But he's clearly hobbled. He's clearly uh, injured. Uh, his knee is clearly damaged. And they, I, I remember the words uh, that were coming out after the the Bears game. Uh, in which he got hurt, they were using the words uh, "can't damage anymore." They, they, that he that Rogers claimed that the doctors yeah. told him he could not damage the knee more by going out and playing. That's why he went out and played and, and beat the Bears and that unbelievable comeback. And now today I read that he's talking about, yeah, I'm worried about damaging it more the more that I play. Oh. Um, what? I, I, something doesn't add up there. What? You, you you lied one of the two weeks. Either you lied just now or you lied back in week one uh, when you beat the Bears. But obviously something's going on there that they don't want to release exactly what the injury is and they don't want to have that hanging over them, that they're sending a quarterback out there with a clearly damaged ligament in his knee, torn ligament, to what degree, I don't know, because I'm not a doctor, but I'm pretending to be a doctor by saying that he has a torn ligament because it's obvious the way he's running around out there. Or, or, yeah, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if Aaron Rodgers suddenly isn't able to suit up, not necessarily this week at Washington, but maybe the next week against Buffalo. Maybe you let him wet rest a week. <laughs> I don't know how that's going to go, uh, taking a week off and then coming back. I don't know if that's going to help too much. I get the, I get the feeling more that he's when he sits down, it's going to be for the rest of the season. But it's not going to be uh, if he can hope if he can help it. It's not going to be anytime soon. It's going to be uh, the moment that they're eliminated from any kind of playoff contention. He'll sit. Ah. That may that may not happen until week fifteen. I understand that the Packers are not going to go any go anywhere anytime soon. They're not going away. But the moment the season is out of reach, he's done. And before that, the moment that he just can't take it anymore and he crumples to the ground and can't stand back up, he'll be done. Um, no, I'm I'm suspecting re-injury or further injury mm-hmm. is going to do him in. Yeah, that's that sounds about right. That he's going to take a, a 
a step and, it's, and it's go down, and he's not going to be able to stand back up. <laughs> not, not or he'll blow out the other knee because he's favoring the left one so much. Oh. Um, that's that, what we call that kind a of stuff can Wilson. happen. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, he's definitely getting the uh, he's getting the Otani treatment right now. They're just going to run him out there till he's dead. Just send his ass out, of, and that's that's on him. He's you get, he gets the credit for being so gutsy to do it. He also gets the blame for if he damages himself further and winds up like never the same player after this year. Because oh yeah, clearly he needs to sit down and have somebody take care of that thing and make sure that it's healed up. The the prudent thing. I don't, now, what I don't know is the grade of, of strain or what have you, yeah. that it might be something that he could sit out the next two months and it'll heal and he'll be ready to come back fully uh, at full strength by, say, week 13, 14, 15. The risk of that is Deshaun Kaiser and your season's over. And that's why he's going out there. And I completely understand that. But I'm just saying, he's not right. He's, he's, he's gutting through it, and there's two games that he's played at an unbelievable level gutting through it. I just don't know how long he can keep that up. Yeah, I mean, let's just be, you know, the reality is that without Aaron Rodgers, the 1-0 and 1 becomes 0-2. I don't think I can argue that at all. There's no comeback against the Bears. They would not have beaten the Vikings with Deshaun Kaiser. Uh, this was this is an zero and two worst in the division football team. Them and the Lions would be going at it for uh, last place at the moment if it wasn't for if it wasn't for that. And we'd have the Bears would be sitting pretty at two and zero. That's 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 very strange as well. Yeah. Uh, so you you throw you gave some of your thoughts on the other quarterback on the field, Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Um, and I. Was I was mostly impressed by the comeback effort uh, because he made some throws that you already talked about the throw to Thielen for the touchdown that I have no yeah. fucking idea how that ball got through those two Packer defenders into Thielen's hands. It was like a video game. I, like you just blinked I and it was in his I was looking right hand. down the goal line. I was on the back line of the goal line, and so it was right on the opposite side of the field from me. And when I saw that ball coming in towards Thielen, I saw the two Packer defenders there. I was like, that, that ball game? You know, mm-hmm. that's getting picked, and, and it goes through all the traffic, and then Thielen's laying in the end zone with the ball. I'm like, what the – how? <laughs> yeah, it's, it, that was incredible. Uh, yeah, I the the comeback effort, he uh, finally started taking advantage of some of those less than impressive Packer yeah. defensive backs. Uh, give Green Bay credit for their front seven pressuring him before that uh, for the first half and some of the second and not giving him uh, too much time to to operate. But once he got into comeback mode and and turned it on, uh, Laquan Trevor's drops notwithstanding, he made some incredible throws and some incredible plays. Um, And it wasn't just Thielen, of course. It was uh, Stephon Diggs had the the 75-yard home run. That was a beautiful Uh, throw. Yeah. So uh, the weapons are there. We always knew the weapons would be there. Uh, the the effort from Cousins is there. Uh, the consistency is still a little bit of a problem, but that's always going to be an issue with him. If he was, if he had that arm and was more much more consistent, he wouldn't have been a fourth round pick. He would have been a first round quarterback. So yeah, you know, you you expected the the spotty consistency, but you, you can't deny the arm. You can't deny the talent. 
Oh yeah, no. I mean, we we like we like we say we keep waiting for Kirk Cousins to kind of Kirk Cousins things up. He tried uh, on the roughing the passer call at the end of the game. That was a, that was a ball that was sort of just thrown up um, in, into the face of a rush and just kind of thrown out there, and it was not. It landed, you know, it was five yards past the receiver, right into the deep safety's hands. So it was the play that should have ended the game, but there's the penalty. So he, he did do the Kirk Cousins thing. He did it with the first interception, but the Packers couldn't capitalize. And that was the thing is they kept giving the ball to the Packers, and the Packers kept having to settle for field goals, uh, although they had scored a touchdown on one of the plays where you thought the game was iced, and I guess that got called back on a holding call. And it just like yep. they just kept they just couldn't over the hump. They just couldn't get that final blow, that kill shot into the Vikings. It just they just couldn't do it. They couldn't the Vikings were like the zombie. They just kept coming back and that's when you know, and that's what the better team usually does. They just couldn't keep them down. And they should have won the the Vikings should have won the game. The Ultimately. Packers and the Vikings should have won the game. That's they both should have won the game. Everybody has a tie. <laughs> So, all right. Well, there were there were fourteen other games. Uh, unless you had some more thoughts on that one, we want to we want to talk about that whole game for an hour. I want could have I could laugh at the the kicker who got cut, but uh, uh, but two kickers got cut. He, he wasn't the only one. Uh, Zane yep. Gonzalez in Cleveland is also uh, looking for a job. Yeah, and then yeah, another was, team uh, that that's they don't call Cleveland should have won again. Oh, those Browns. Uh, you talk about cousins gonna cousin. How about Browns gonna Browns? How, how do you blow Browns that? Gonna how do you blow that game. Because they they can't kick. I just I was more stunned about the fact that they held the Saints down as much as they did. That the defense showed up again. Something's going on with the New Orleans Saints. That's two very lackluster uh, home games yeah. to start the schedule out and. Uh, I'm I'm feeling very nervous as the man that picked the Saints before the season ever began. It's a long season. Mm-hmm. It's a it's, long uh, season. What's wrong with the New Orleans Saints? Yeah, yeah it's two games. Uh, everybody in the league, pretty much with the exception of the Cardinals, can say it's two games. You know, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll get it. We'll get it together. The Cardinals look like they're not trying to get it together. That that looks horrible right now. Yeah, you know, and so, yeah, that's done. Right, wait. Uh-oh. <laughs> the car, wait a minute. You you could, you declared the Bills done, and now okay. the Cardinals are, are they both Brady Quinn done? I, I, now I'm done. I am more apt to say the Cardinals are probably just going to end up benching Sam Bradford and going to Josh Rosen sooner rather sooner rather than later. So I will hold out on the Cardinals because there's still talent on that team. Sam Bradford with the 3.3 yards per attempt, he had 17 completions for 90 yards. Keep getting that completion percentage up, kid. Yeah. Now, granted, the Rams are—they were—they're—they're they're in another level right now. So that's two blowouts in a row for that team. So they are clearly firing on all cylinders. And that was, that was a game I didn't expect to say too much about. But yes, I think Sam Bradford is the one who's going to be exiting the stage right here. Um, so I, I'm not going to necessarily say that the the Cardinals are done. I, now, the Cardinals are terrible. 
I don't think they're going 0 and 16, but I don't. They're not going to be, you know, relevant. So are they done as far as like their season's probably over? Yeah, their season's probably over. I mean, yeah. they, they could still muddle five or six wins out of this. You never know. They still get to play Seattle twice. Um, <laughs> so there's you know there's there's still hope for them yet there. I don't even have the words for the terrible, terrible blocking that I saw on both primetime games. Yeah. And it's not like it's not like I saw something magical yeah. that only I could see. That everybody needed, saw how horrible. By the way, I needed those primetime games. Those games salvaged <laughs> my week. Some horrible blocking by the Giants, the, the Seahawks. They were terrible. Yeah, the uh, uh, nine and seven for me in week two, seven and nine for you. Uh, with those two primetime games, you went from five and nine to seven and nine, and, and yeah. I lost both of those. So yes, you absolutely needed those two. Those are big for yeah. you. Yeah, because um, I, I gave you the one on the Thursday night, and then I only gave one back to you out of the seven that we disagreed with, and it was looking a lot worse going mm-hmm. into uh, going into Sunday night. So yes, I absolutely needed those. And before we have a party for the Bears in this new dominant defense. I don't want to shit on you guys, you Bear fans. I don't want. I don't want to do this. I just yeah, want do. to give you. I just want to give you a logical reminder that you have played the two worst offensive lines in football. <laughs> the last. Two the weeks. Giants may beg to differ. Wait a minute. The Packers. Wait a minute. <laughs> and the Seahawks. Okay. Bad. I'll go back. Two of the worst. How's that? <laughs> Maybe not thirty-one and thirty-two. But maybe thirty and thirty-one, or thirty and thirty-two, or some combination thereof. But the Packers and the Seahawks bad have two bad. of the worst pass-blocking teams, offensive lines in football. Neither team can run the ball. I mean, so so it made sense that Khalil Mack and that Bears defense and everybody was just teeing off, and uh, that went about the way. I can't call that a bear whisper because they were the favorite. Um, but uh, yeah, I was riding on the Bears on on Monday. Seattle is I have Seattle in last place this year. They look they like are it. bad. And, and Russell Wilson, I don't know why he's uh not making decisions quicker than he is. He seems like he's just guys can't get waiting. Open. Then take off. Don't, don't just stand there yeah. and wait for the other team to come eat you. Just get out of there. It's like he's just standing there waiting. Yeah, they, they have what. they have no offensive weapons. They can't run. Their receivers are basically just are, are all slow. They got rid of Paul Richardson. Seattle has nobody open. So Russell Wilson, who's he going to throw it to? I mean, basically, I guess just throw it away. Throwing it away well, the one, than taking the eight or twelve yard sack. They have one fast receiver left, and it's Tyler Lockett. But the Bears did a yeah. good job of pretty much double yeah. and triple covering him all night, except for they that one nothing. touchdown throw going to be a long season in Seattle. Yeah, it certainly seems that way. Um, While I eat my uh, cookie for dessert after my dinner, I'll give you uh, the three topics that I put up on our uh, show page, and then you can choose which one that you want to talk about. We had a possible changing of the guard in Jacksonville with their win over the Patriots. We have a possible new league superstar after two weeks with the way that Patrick Mahomes has come out playing for the Chiefs, and we got the old journeyman socialist quarterback uh, turnover Bernie Sanders just swaggering and soaking it all in down in Tampa Bay. So, what's 
stood out to you in week two? Well, I guess I'm going to talk about the one that was the most impressive to me. That's that Chiefs offense. I'm not just going to call it Patrick Mahomes because he's clearly the guy. You know, Andy Reid has just got to be laughing that that he's got this guy, the, the smile on his face for the offense that they have been able to put out there. But it, it, it's fitting him in with the rest of those players. You, you have Tyree Kill, who's like one of the best, if not the best playmaker in the league. Uh, he had a, he had an all right day against Pittsburgh, but it turns out that everybody's so focused on Hill because he you know he demolished oh God whoever they demolished in week one um, it just seems to be this this week after week thing with the uh, with the Chiefs it was uh, was the was the Clippers um, so in week two all of a sudden you have Sammy Watkins oh, and you're like oh wait I forgot they had Sammy Watkins. You've got Patrick Mahomes finding Sammy Watkins, and he's running around and making huge plays, and Kelsey's making – they almost had three receivers go over 100 yards in that game. And then just to top that all off, with, with just, with, for, you know, just for shits and giggles, they've got Ty, uh, Kareem Hunt in the backfield. And, it, yeah, it's it, – I mean, now the defense is really bad um, for the Chiefs as well. So what we saw with them in Pittsburgh, we're probably going to see a lot uh, their first their first game, I want to say, was like 38-28. This was 42-37. It's going to be a lot of high-flying uh, high football from the Chiefs this year, but they're going to be a hell of a lot of fun. And uh, Mahomes is just, boy, he just slings it. He had no fear, zero fear throwing that ball. I mean, and he's on time to these guys. He He's letting go of the ball and these receivers. He's, he's hitting them right where he needs to where the defensive backs haven't even had a chance to turn around and adjust to the play yet. Wait, what, the, so, the ball's here? What? Wait, yeah. How'd that happen? Wait a minute. And, yeah, and, and then and then, and then not only to get up big, to get up to 21 nothing on Pittsburgh, and then they were supposed to be up 28 nothing, but then you had the refs, you know, hit the keep scores close button. And because <laughs> uh, you, you, you could throw a defensive hold on it, you know, oh, oh, wait, we can't have this be 28 nothing on the road at Pittsburgh. Yep. Holding defense. Yeah, okay. So, you know, Pittsburgh gets all the credit, all the momentum, comes back all the way, ties the game at halftime. It didn't matter. First play after the uh, first play of the third quarter, he was back at it again, hits Tyreek Hill on one of those perfectly thrown balls where the defender is still running down the field with his back to the play. And Hill's already got the ball in space. And, yeah, and, and it's just – it's a track meet. And throws six touchdowns in his uh, second game. 10 in the first two weeks. So that that's, I mean, to say that to me, that was the biggest story, even over Jacksonville beating new England, which wasn't stunning. Um, it good for them. I'm glad they did it, but that defense was, is so good. And then it, Ryan Fitzpatrick with Tampa, you know, and I watched the highlight package. And again, that's another one of these teams where even just, competency at the quarterback position there's so many weapons in that passing game you know but then the fact that he did it against the eagles was what really sort of was like whoa he's in the zone this isn't going to last but he is clearly in the zone so they got to ride that for as long as they No, to me it's a guy making basically his third nfl start on the road in pittsburgh just lit that team up 
it's obvious that Andy Reid got his new toy in Pat Mahomes, and he's running his offense completely different than when he had Alex Smith. Mm-hmm. And he gets to he used to uh, sort of dust off that part of his playbook that he used to have with Donovan McNabb in Philadelphia. And he gets to call a bunch of different plays and routes now that he didn't have the ability to call with Alex Smith, who doesn't have the strongest arm in the world. And it's obvious that Andy Reid is just enjoying the hell out of having that aspect again. I wondered how long he was going to take to sort of open it up like that with this, this kid being so new and such a rookie with only one start under his belt coming into the season. So I was kind of wondering, would he hold back? Would he try to be a little conservative? And he's letting this kid jump right in feet first these first two weeks. He's really not holding back in letting him make the decisions and do what he wants to do. So Reed clearly has a lot of confidence in him. And that's big. That means a lot to me observing them because Andy Reid is uh, reminiscent of Bill O'Brien to me. When Bill O'Brien has quarterbacks such as Tom Savage and Brock Osweiler, guys that he doesn't trust to throw the ball two feet, much less 20 yards, it's a totally different game plan. It's a totally different coaching scheme. Everything is completely different. But then he gets to Sean Watson and he sees what he's capable of and he goes, whoa, all right, let, now I can open it up. Now I can do some things, play calling that I couldn't do with these other stiffs. And Andy Reid is the same way. He's got Alex Smith out of there. And Reid is, is a Hall of Fame offensive mind. A Hall of, I think he's going to be a Hall of Fame coach someday. He tailored his game plans to Alex Smith and they had success. But now Alex Smith has gotten, he's got a much stronger arm than Pat Mahomes, and he's tailoring his game plans to Pat Mahomes, and they're going to have success because Andy Reid can work with, obviously, pretty much any quarterback you throw at him. Uh, so it's fascinating to watch that go down in Kansas City, and it looks like that's going to be a, a nice long marriage and a, a nice successful marriage. It makes me feel good about my call about them winning the division this year because I just looked at the rest of that division and how little – defense was going to, be, going to be played. You know, I think the Clippers are overrated. I the, the Raiders are trash. And the Broncos are good, but not the no-fly zone that they used to be. Uh, so I think Kansas City has a chance to stay really, really hot, not just uh, playing defenses like the Steelers, but when they get a hold of their own division. I don't think it's going to stop. I think they're going to keep rolling around, rolling along, and I think the Chiefs are going to have a really big year. Well, they'll definitely have a big offensive year. I, I think they'll find themselves on the wrong side of a few of these high-scoring games because their defense is not very good. Until they get Eric Berry back, if they're throwing Ron Parker out there, and I highlighted him last year as one of my X-Factor players for the Chiefs in the most in the worst kind of way when he was the uh, was, when I actually went to the Pro Football Focus stat that he was the worst-rated safety in football and. Ben Roethlisberger, I think, must have been following uh, pro football focus because big part of that comeback, you heard a lot of Ron Parker pushing dudes out of bounds. Hey, you you know the Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers know how to exploit some bad defenses. Even yes. if Todd Haley is not there anymore, 
they'd still know how to, to make a comeback on a bad defense. Yeah, the whole way you can tell that it was Eric Berry who wasn't back there uh, sort of patrolling on that, that deep middle. It was most of Ben Roethlisberger's big plays were to Jesse James. It was the tight end who was just completely bending over the Chiefs in that big comeback, and, and Roethlisberger kept finding them. It was a lot of big plays down the field, and if those were wide receivers that wide open, those are a lot of those plays that a guy is getting tackled, at, you know, 40 yards down the field. A lot of those are going to turn into touchdowns. That's what happened for Tampa. Except right. the tight end was also going 75 yards for the touchdown, too. I guess O.J. Howard has a little bit more speed than Jesse James. That's what the uh, the definition of a move tight end is. That's what O.J. Howard yep. was doing. He was moving. <laughs> That's moving yeah. right there. So, yeah, so – so that was the so that was the big one for me. Um, I know you probably wanted to talk a little bit about the other two as well. The big one for me was what happened in Jacksonville because that really did to me feel like the changing of the guard. That really, and of course, you know, picking the Jaguars to win the AFC and go to the Super Bowl, which yeah. you did too, which we uh, both did, of, yes. But of course, it's going to feel like to me like a changing of the guard because it's basically what I'm predicting to have happen this year is the Patriots fall off and the Jaguars take their place as sort of the kings of the AFC. But this game is a regular season game. You don't want to put too much stock into it, but coming off of last year's playoff game, coming off of everything that happened in that game with the big lead and collapsing, not trusting their quarterback, uh, Coming into this game, you know that the Jaguars would be jacked up for it. You knew that they would be emotional, uh, emotionally ready. They, that they would come out and give the Patriots everything they had. <clears throat> excuse me, everything they had, and that's exactly what happened. But it, it, I think I, I have to give as much credit as I possibly can to Blake Bortles. I just want to make sure that I give him his proper due. This game I, I uh, was the second game in, in this market down here, so I watched all of it. And that was not just the terrible Patriots defense coming back from last year. It was there. The Patriots defense was, again, terrible. I do want to say what I saw completely. And I did see some guys that were wide open, not because they were making great moves, but because the Patriots were just not there. They, they just – they're – Guys are just not there covering some of the Jaguars receivers. They're just running wide open, running free for no reason at all. The Patriots' D is still terrible. I suppose I owe Matt Patricia a little bit of an apology, putting this terrible D on his shoulders. Because apparently it's not all him, because he's not there anymore. So that's not his fault. So there was a lot of that. But there are also, because multiple things can be true, there were also some fantastic throws by Blake Bortles. And I know I can't believe I'm saying that. There were some great – he made some, some great throws, some, some tight windows, some guys on the move that he had to hit in stride, uh, some, some just strong throws. There was, it was a little bit of everything that, that Bortles did. And Blake Bortles outplayed Tom Brady, and Blake Bortles beat the New England Patriots uh, I don't want to say single-handedly because the defense had a, a big hand in it too, the way they smothered Tom Brady and the Patriots up. But I got to give my props to Blake Bortles. I don't know. Obviously, I can't say that this is a turning point for him, that he's going to go from here and just be a great NFL quarterback. But he played a great game. 
He really did. And it wasn't just New England's bad defenders leaving the Jaguars receivers wide open, although there was that too. And I don't want to oversell this going into week three, but the reason this sort of, I guess, can say that this feels like a changing of the guard is Jacksonville, granted, we're only going into week three, but Jacksonville put themselves in a very good position, should it come to it, to have to face New England in their own building again, in the Jags' home, because you get the you get the one up on them with the tiebreaker. You knock them. So you basically Jacksonville, you're already two games ahead of the Patriots. And, and, and that cannot be undersold when we get late in the season that the Patriots won't just have to finish with the same record as the Jaguars. They're going to have to finish a game better. And there are not a lot of, a lot of teams out there. If Jacksonville is playing the way that they're playing, that are going to beat them. I can't imagine who's going to beat the Jaguars if they keep playing like this. Yeah. Uh, there's the one drive in particular, the the second touchdown for the Jaguars, where they go up 14 yeah. <clears> nothing. <throat> excuse me, that really, to me, uh, had a lot um, uh, of like moments that made me say, "All right, the Jaguars." That kind of reminded me of Renard. They are here for this. They are here for all of this. They were so ready and, and so productive and doing whatever they needed to do. You had Bortles scramble on third and six to make one of the first downs. The New England defenders were just turning, and, and that time they chose to stick with their receivers, and Bortles was running behind them, and they don't see it at all. He's just running, running, and running, and, and nobody's trying to even touch him because they weren't paying any attention. That was the same drive that Keelan Cole went up and snatched the catch with one hand that very Odell Beckham-like, and it was – an amazing catch uh, with, with one hand just grabs the end of the football and brings it in like it's nothing. Uh, totally an, an OMG catch, 22-yarder. Uh, somebody was uh, Corey Grant, some receiver that you never heard of. He was making guys miss uh, on a swing pass. Uh, a throw in the middle to the tight end, James O'Shaughnessy, got a big game. And then the home run to Keelan Cole up top for a 24-yard touchdown. And it was like, you name it, the Jags were doing it. They were, they were getting uh, running contribution from T.J. Yeldon all day as well. They did this without Leonard Fournette. Uh, just, yeah. They dominated the Patriots in pretty much every way you could, you could imagine. And they did it in a way that, like you already mentioned, if, you, if, if the Patriots come in, as a, as a play, in, a, in a playoff situation, you really don't see a way that the Patriots are going to come out and, and – beat the Jaguars if they're playing like that. And the Patriots tried to mount that kind of comeback again. They were, they, there was another fourth quarter attempt where the momentum was swinging the Patriots way and they, the Jaguars give them the credit for doing the exact opposite of what they did in the playoff game instead yeah. of turtling and, and trying to hold the lead with, with all their might. Uh, they went out and took the, the game from the Patriots. They had Bortles continue to deliver throws uh, on time, open receivers, uh, got Niles Paul involved late. Uh, they they really did take the game from the Patriots. They didn't wait back. They learned their lesson from the playoff game that you have to take these wins from the Patriots. You can't just hope that they let you have them just because you have a lead. So uh, totally a changing of the guard as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, you, you took the point that I was just about to make was 
the Jaguars clearly learned from their last matchup. The, the Jaguars had that AFC championship won, and they let New England come back and take it from them. And and you you have it precisely right when when it felt like oh here come the Patriots, and, you know what what are the Jags gonna do? Then you have, then you have Blake Bortles uh, throw a sixty one yard touchdown pass that that'll do it. <laughs> yeah, that'll that'll wrap it up. That that would have sent you guys to the Super Bowl. Too bad you didn't try that. <laughs> Too bad you tried one yard gain, one yard gain, incomplete pass punt. It's like six straight times. That was what they did in the AFC Championship game. Here, they actually went out, made the play to win the game and knock out the Patriots. Now, granted, it's easier to do at home, but like I said, they also went a long way towards securing another home date should they have to play the Patriots again. Yeah, Jaguars were kind of reeling uh, 24-13 after the Patriots uh, got a few points and, and some stops, but uh, yeah. like you said, the D.D. Uh, Westbrook wide open underneath, and he takes it home up the sideline from 61 yeah. yards untouched because that's that's the Patriots' mantra now. Let mm-hmm. them go. Just let them go untouched and then hope for the best. Boy, I don't know what happened to that defense, but it's, it's, it's been terrible the last few years. All right, so that was the, the big thing for me. And then uh, I don't know how much more or, you know, how much we can say about the, the old man down in Tampa swaggering yeah. along and doing whatever he's doing. I said last week is not going to last. We know better. But and I also said, let's see you do that against uh, an elite pass defense and the defending world champion Eagles. And he did first play of the game. He took it out and showed us. You said, what do you think of this? And then go 75 yards to Deshaun Jackson. So, hey, uh, taking it all in, doing, you know, doing his best, living his best life, walking out there in the press conference, looking like Conor McGregor with the jewelry around his neck and the sunglasses and the chest hair showing. Hey man, Brian Brian Fitzpatrick, you do you, I guess. Um, so what is what's going to wind up happening with this situation? Is uh, everyone seems to be saying that this is because of these two games that when Jameis Winston's suspension is up after this third week, that yeah. just you know just because he's eligible to play Week Four doesn't mean he's going to. Apparently, was, people think this is going to be Fitzpatrick's gig until he loses it. Yeah, I think Fitzpatrick sort of plays out the string here until, you know, the, the magic goes away. When he becomes, you know, Fitz Brad magic. Fitzjohnson again. When he becomes Brad Fitzjohnson, then the magic, you know, then they can safely go back to Jameis Winston. As awesome as that passing offense looked, let's not forget that team can't run to save their lives. They are going to get into a situation. This is still turnover Bernie Sanders. He has been very safe with the football so far this season. But this is a guy who will throw the ball into coverage. He, he, it's going to happen. So, yes, he may keep – and they've got a really bad defense coming to town. They're playing on Monday night against Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh has got one of the worst defenses. Oh, God. So, I mean – Patrick Mahomes just lit them up on the road in Pittsburgh's not a got now got to go to Tampa to face the other hottest offense in football. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure unless, you know, 
the Fitz magic wears off unless all of a sudden the turnovers start coming again, which they can. Um, then yeah, if he if he goes out there again and lights up Pittsburgh, then definitely uh, Jameis Winston can sit on the bench for a few weeks. That, that would be amazing. That the all of that uh, potential talent that they've had down there in Tampa that hasn't done much of anything under Winston, and now this old man from Harvard is going to come swagger in and unlock them and show the world what they're made of. I'm still not buying it long-term, but, hey, for two weeks, uh, he, he's been the man. Yeah, I, they can't bench him. You clearly can't. Now, he's – see, when he goes back and he does the Nick Foles, Nick Foles is getting benched. <laughs> yes. Yes, because Nick Foles has been fairly pedestrian. He didn't have a terrible game against Tampa Bay but he didn't have that Ryan Fitzpatrick game. And, and, you know, the fact that the elite pass defense of the uh, Philadelphia Eagles gave up 12.2 yards per attempt to Ryan Fitzpatrick tells you how he is feeling it right now. 400 yards, second game in a row. Yeah. So you can't bench a guy who's doing that. Can you? I, I I guess you can't. We've uh, got some more to talk about uh, for week two. We'll get to that in the after show. Right now we have to pick tomorrow night's game, even though neither one of us really wants to. But we'll do it anyway because we pick them all. The New York Jets and the Cleveland Browns are playing on Thursday night football. Why? Oh, why? Uh at least the Browns won't have uh, Zane Gonzalez to kick around anymore. I, I didn't do this uh, earlier during the show, but Dane, uh, Daniel Carlson and Zane Gonzalez will we'll play the music for them. May, may they rest in peace. Uh, in any event, uh, Sam Darnold, the rookie quarterback for the Jets, uh, going against Tyrod or Tyrod Taylor for the Cleveland Browns. And people, I think, believe that this is the chance for the Cleveland Browns to finally get a win because they are actually favored over somebody. They haven't won a game uh, in so long and over two seasons, basically. But the Jets are the uh, Skyfowl line three-point dogs at the dog pound at the Cleveland yeah. Browns. Jason, who you got? I mean, this is it, right? This is it. This is it. This is the matchup. This is the Jets. They stink. They're going to the Cleveland. Cleveland's going to get that first win. But I can't take the Browns as a favorite. <laughs> I just can't do it. Give me the Jets. There's can't something wrong. I can't do it until they show me. I mean, I can take them as big dogs. Clearly, they can step up as the big dog. But the favorite at home? I'm not falling for that one. I'll take the Jets. Uh, it does feel like a, a trap. I'll I'll admit that. Um, but I don't know. It's it's the Jets, man. It's that's, it's a trap. That's the tough thing about it. If you don't take the Browns, then you got to go with the Jets on the road with a rookie quarterback on a short week, and yeah. that doesn't feel too good either. Push. So I'm gonna actually take. I'm going to take the Brown Fever and give it a three. I think they come out fired up because they know that this is their chance as well, and they give it 
every single bit that they have and come through and get this win. Born or after we come back. Come through for me, Browns. Come on. Come on, dog pal. Come through for me. All right, into the VIP after show program. I'm going to feel sick with either result, the Jets or the Browns. It's a, this would be a push. Oh, yeah, a push. A push. It's a, that is the perfect solution. That is the, 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 the outcome that feels the most right is the Jets win 10 to 7. Or, I'm sorry, the Browns win 10 to 7 or something like that. Yeah, oh, 10 to 7. <laughs> Yuck. Do you see a ton of offense in this game? I I, I think the uh, I think the I think the under no. is a safe play. Yeah, three to nothing. I don't know about quite that under, but <laughs> but yeah, it does feel like one of those games that makes you want to like question why you watch football ever at all. Yeah, and again, I, I just can't take the Browns just because just something just doesn't feel right. But this is their prime time game. This is it, right? I mean, they can't get another one. So th- this, oh, God, if no. they don't come out, if they don't come out playing like this is their Super Bowl, right? And you know, and maybe they just come out and just stomp the living piss out of the Jets. I would love to see that because then they'd be like, okay, those first two weeks weren't just flukes, and you guys are really, you know, a better team. Like I expected them to be this year. I thought they could win five games this year. Um, they, they should have won two already. Yes, they should have. Very easily oh, could have. You know, um, but you didn't, and that's the point. The point is they still don't know how to handle, you know, gifts and luxury and, and being in that position to win games. And so, I don't know, You just until until they can just prove they're not snake bit, because by all rights, they should probably just go out there tomorrow and just stop the Jets. They should. But I don't know. I want to see no, it they, like with like with the Cardinals, right? We were going to give the Cardinals our their one last chance, and well, Ugh. they blew it, so they're done, right? So now I'm giving Cleveland that chance to to blow it, and if they don't blow it, all right, maybe, maybe I'll have a little brown fever. Yeah, well, that's pretty much why I'm going with them because they should come out and, and stomp the Jets because they know that's their like their Super Bowl. I, I we uh, I think we both see the same thing you just are afraid to pull the trigger because it's how can you pull the trigger on a team that's favorite History to win is that hasn't side. won yeah. in the last 18 or 19 yeah. football games history's on my side here uh, yes it is uh so i don't the thing about recapping the rest of week two for you is i don't know how much else you could have possibly caught you were preoccupied this weekend yeah. with the game and also uh, some QT with the wife after that. So yeah. I don't know how much else you saw. I was preoccupied because Sunday night, uh, my wife had to go to the hospital again, but they, um, um, so I didn't see any of the giants yeah. and Cowboys. I was dreading having to see the slurp fest of Sean Lee anyway, but I wound up seeing zero seconds of it. So I don't know. Uh, yeah. Anything about it? I just I saw the I saw the highlights and I saw that Eli Manning had no time to do anything. That's about all I saw about that. Yeah, the Giants' offense is it still stinks. So yeah, that's all you needed to see about that one. Um, no, I wanted to talk for a minute about my uh, my Falcons. You were right on there. I mean, we 
They we both had them winning. I just didn't have them covering. You had them covering, you know, and it was a six point spread. They won by seven, but clearly the blueprint for them is very visible uh, with what they're trying to do, and that is run the ball. Tevin Coleman went out and had himself one hell of a ball game because that team blocks. That's not a, that's not a team with a terrible offensive line. That's a team that can actually block and they can run block very well. So you can just put guys back there. And and every time either Tevin Coleman or Edo Smith or whoever the hell they gave the ball to, they got chunk yards and they had nice big runs. And it was very impressive to then watch the Falcons operate with the play action game. That's their game. And, and they were able to run that with precision against Carolina. And I saw multiple times, uh, not just the, the touchdown catch, several other times, two or three more times underneath, wide open the way they're going to use Calvin Ridley in this offense. They are running Julio Jones deep to pull the defense with him, and Calvin Ridley was sitting down underneath some zones with nobody within 10 yards of him and making some huge plays. So uh, I liked what I saw, and then they they would run the exact same thing with Austin Hooper. So clearly a lot of play action, softening up that middle, running Julio Jones out there with two guys going after him. This is clearly going to be their, their blueprint and their game plan. And Matt Ryan must've gotten fed up with all that uh, lack of play in the red zone. Cause he just decided he was going to start taking it in himself. Yeah. Way to go. Bust up the red zone by your damn self. Don't wait for anybody else. That's yeah. way to go, Matty ice. But it was, it was, it was, even though their defense, uh, I still worry for their defense because they just got guys just, they're losing people left and right on that, in that defense. It's just one after the other, after the other now, but the offense clearly is not as bad as they looked one. And then again, week one, what do you really take away from week one? It's preseason football and, and the quality wasn't there. And then they went home and they got right. And they played a very good team in Carolina, not a terrible team. And uh, took care of business, and then that offense really looked good. One of your defenders took himself out of the game uh, because he decided to be the football version of the hockey goon. uh, Because Devontae (laughs) KZ went in there. The guy I was talking up. Yeah. Yeah, he he pulled a Bob Probert. He he really did. He went in and tried to end Cam Newton's career or maybe even his life. Uh, just yeah. complete spear job on the guy as he's sliding. I mean, just about as dirty as it gets. Um, so at least he didn't get. Do you know what he, get, do you know what he, he didn't, didn't get do? taken out by injury? Do you know what he didn't do? What's that? He didn't retire at halftime. He didn't just up and quit the team right there at, at halftime. He did not do that. That's true. That's uh, that's a new one. It's just, that. that that's the, the the face when your team sucks so hard that you just quit <laughs> at halftime. I, I'm, yep. I have had it. You guys he got are up and he terrible. Gave his, uh, he got up and he gave his halftime speech. Now I'm done. <laughs> uh, wait, wait, where, where, did, where, where did Vontae Davis go? He um he he had to he had to go somewhere else. He had to leave. What? We still got a game to play. You know, he, yeah. had, he had to go. He like he really had to go. Like, gone, like completely gone. You know, and did you see the fact that he released a very well prepared statement right after yeah. uh, quitting? Like right after the spontaneous quitting on the spot. There, 
very well prepared. I don't think you wrote that uh, at halftime. You wouldn't think so, no. It's almost like he was kind of thinking about this leading up to it. It's almost like it wasn't quite so spontaneous. Things that make you go, hmm, just saying. Just saying. That's the, yeah. This is how it's gone for this. This is how it is for the Buffalo Bills. This is Buffalo Bills football. A project, a quarterback, and a guy quits your team at the half. Ooh. Well, you you declared him done, and guess what? Someone quit on the team literally at halftime. So you may have been as accurate calling somebody a, a mail it in team because no one has ever mailed it in as hard as Monte <laughs> Davis quitting on his team. <laughs> That is I, I have a feeling. I have a feeling. Someone, mm. one of the two of us, or both, some he's getting some kind of an award from us this year. It feels like some sort of award. It feels like a very infamous act, uh, if you know what I mean. It feels yeah. Like a, oh, yeah. Retire yeah. at ha- I mean, we talk about it. We, we joke about that. <laughs> he did it. He I, I give the man full credit. And he didn't get hurt. It wasn't like he blew out his knee and said he was done. He just realized that he was playing for one of what may be one of the worst teams of all time. And just said, you know what? I don't need this. Yeah. So I really don't. So so good luck. Good luck to Vontae Davis <laughs> in his future endeavors. <laughs> wow. He just up, upped and retired at halftime. That, that is a new one. Um, I wanted to relay a little bit of my uh, experience as far as a, a fan of uh, uh, interacting with other fans, other football fans, uh, a little bit of a look into the psyche real, real, real quick, nothing major, but just uh, going to, uh, to the hospital with my wife. Uh, like I said, I hadn't watched any of the, uh, Cowboys Giants game. Uh, the timing of us going was we were we left here. Maybe uh, they had just started and got there, and we're sitting in the waiting room, and then went back there for a little while when they finally called her uh, her name. And by the time they put her in a room, uh, started putting some fluids into her, and she's fine. She was feeling a little. Uh, uh, like a rapid heartbeat and a little dehydrated, had a had a fever, but they gave her some fluids and sent her on her way, so she didn't have to stay uh, the whole night. But they did put her in a room for for a little while and gave her some fluids. But while she's in that room, is about the time that the game ended, and you, so I hear some people out in the hallway that apparently are Cowboys fans and talking about, yeah, the Cowboys won, the Cowboys won. And I just heard one of them say, yeah, they finally won. The Cowboys finally won. Can you believe it? Week two? It's week two. The Cowboys oh, finally won because they lost week one. So apparently the whole season is over. So the Cowboys finally won because they won week two. So that was stunning enough. Then I get to work the next day or actually Tuesday. And my boss, who happens to be a big Cowboys fan, uh, so Monday night, of course, was the Bears beating up on the Seahawks. And my boss knows that I'm from Chicago and I'm a Bears fan. So Tuesday, my boss comes in, slaps me on the back and says, hey, saw last night. See, your Bears finally won. And I'm like, wait, what? It's week two. 
that loses, they finally. I guess every team that loses a game in week one or ties or whatever uh, is, is thought to be. That is the epitome of fan overreaction theater. That a team wins a game in week two after not winning in week one and it's called finally won. Could you imagine if we did that in every sport that – uh, in baseball, the team that loses on opening day, they come back the next day, and oh, they finally won a game. After losing the first game, they finally come back. And with that, I've never had heard of anything like that, but interacting with a couple of different fan bases, and maybe it's the fact that it was Cowboys fans on both ends that were doing that, because uh, it, maybe it's unusual. Maybe that doesn't happen with other fan bases. Maybe the Cowboys are that arrogant and that spoiled that they think they should win every game and that every other team should win every game. And that if you lose in week one, then that's just horrible. And when you win in week two, oh, you finally won. But I'd never heard of that before these two incidents. So that's dealing with some, some fandom out there. Uh, that, that That's very unusual to me. Yeah. That's a new one. Never hey. heard of that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, granted they lost in a tough way. The bears did in week one. I mean, that was a hard one. But, but come on. To, but to say they finally won because they came back in week two? What? You say finally won for a team that hadn't won in weeks. Or like if the like Browns that. win tomorrow night, they well, finally the, won. That is finally won. That is... Not an overreaction. Uh, like, Trump was almost not president, right? The last time they won, or was it before he, he got in office? Oh, it's been a while. It's been a long time since the Browns yeah. won a game. Yeah. You know, and it's sad because they probably should have won. They had four, they had three or four games sewn up last year or games that they were competitive in where I mean, they right. had, you know, field goals they could have kicked to win it or big leads that they blew. So it, 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 tomorrow might be the day. Might might be the one. They finally win a game, but that would be the correct usage of that term. Yeah, I'm thinking back to the last time. Obama had not left office yet. That's how long it's been. So that is finally won. If yeah. They win. Uh, yeah, uh, Maddie, you talked about Maddie Ice uh, busting up the red zone hex by himself and, and the Falcons coming through. Uh that also I was just noting that may be a function of playing a defense other than Philadelphia, because as good as the Panthers are, they're, they're not the Eagles. So maybe the red zone thing that the Falcons are going through, because remember the last two games before Carolina were both against the Eagles, the playoff game last year and the first regular yeah. season game of this year. We, we talked a little bit about that in our recap of the Thursday night game is like, maybe the Eagles just have their number, right? Maybe they just scheme up, right? Maybe they match up well against the Falcons, but because that was a totally different Falcons effort um, last Sunday. Absolutely, um, I think it's time for John Gruden to start blaming somebody uh, for for what's going on here. It's it's so funny that he keeps coming out almost every day talking about how badly the Raiders need a pass rush to, to try to compete yeah. in these games. Yeah. Dude, time for you That's to get tough. a mirror. Again, I mean, they didn't need to trade Khalil Mack. They didn't have to. They would have gotten nothing for him if they made the decision as a franchise to, you know, to, to not resign him and let him walk. 
or they could have at least like can't you put like a transition tag on somebody or get or get some compensation or do something or wait till the trade debt. I know nobody does this in football, but maybe see what you got with them and then trade them week four or week five. Yeah, I believe he had three years of control left, so yeah, they didn't have to do anything. Yeah. So yeah, I I don't get it at all. Or they could just pay him what he's worth because, again, how many guys like that are you going to come across? So you finally get one and you decide, eh, not worth the money. Again, really? let's hold off some judgment until the Bears play a team that actually fields an offensive line. (laughs) Uh, Fair enough. Uh, So I I did watch uh, some of the Titans game down here uh, against the uh, the Texans and lost. That was the only game I had on you going into Sunday night. Yeah, Tennessee. uh, We talked about how if you had two quarterbacks, you don't have any. Well, they had three, so I guess that made all the difference because they had uh, (laughs) Kevin Kevin Byard throwing a touchdown pass on a fake punt. That was a beautiful throw. It was a wide open. The gunners are left wide open, and it's it's on him to take that shot, and he took it. And someone named Dane Crookshank uh, was completely wide open and, and caught the the little shot put pass out there. Yeah, it was. Uh, he could have gagged and threw it out of bounds or short hopped it oh, or sure. something like that. So this is yeah, a give safety, Byard to, right? Right. Give, the give him a, yeah. Give him credit for doing something that he's completely not trained to do, and and it's not his job at all. But uh, but he got it out there. They yeah. even had uh, Derek Henry out of the Wildcat. Uh, yeah. I guess technically his eight yard pass uh, was a pass because he did one of those where he catches the snap and the jet the guy is running a jet sweep going past him and he kind of flips it to him. So it's, it's a, technically it's a forward pass. So so they got uh, they they got no throws out of Marcus Mariota, but they got a pass from Derrick Henry and a pass from Kevin Byard. And I guess it it made all the difference. Um, so Tennessee they've got a lot of razzle dazzle trying to you know jazz up their offense a little bit. Um, so it's good to see that they're trying some different things, trying something new with the special teams. Usually it's the Colts coming in and and embarrassing the Titans on special teams. I remember many different fake punts for touchdowns uh, that the Colts would pull off. So maybe the Titans are the ones that are going to be pulling that type of stuff off now, but uh, yeah, they still won. And, and the other thing that I observed on that game, Deshaun Watson, uh, he, he's still an infant in, in, as far as football goes. This is only his seventh game that he played on Sunday at Tennessee, only his sixth start ever. Yeah. Um, so he's holding he's holding on to the ball too, way too long. He, he's waiting for things to develop that aren't there and, and not making the decision to either throw it away or or take you know pull it down and, and take off and start running. Um, he's he's still making those mistakes. He's he's seemingly afraid to make uh, a mistake downfield, uh, and and but he's still a kid as far as that goes. So I think it's understandable. And I think I still think the world of his his athletic ability and his talent, and I still think that the Texans in the long run are are going to have a lot of success under him. But there's a lot of criticism out there about uh, some of the mistakes that he made, specifically the end of this game against the Titans, where yeah, they had you cannot dance around left. for 17 seconds. 
and he just completely danced yeah. around and ran the and clock all threw, the way down. And it didn't even throw the ball to the end zone. Threw the ball yeah, to the Pollard, middle of the field with no timeout. I, I didn't – the announcers didn't – nobody understood that play. Only Deshaun Watson understood what he was doing. Well, what he was doing was sort of panicking, and I guess my yeah. point was uh, that happens. It, it was his seventh game. It was his sixth yeah. start. It's, you know, the expectations because of those incredible games that he had last year. He made the expectations on him sky high, and I get it, but – you got to have a little slack because he's so young and, he, and he's still in his infancy. Um, he did get picked off uh, when he finally did take a deep shot in the game for, for new Hopkins. But even that was not really, he, you know, him making a huge mistake. That was a Dory Jackson went up and, and mossed him. Yeah. When you go up and grab the ball from over the guy's head, uh, that's called getting mossed now. So that's, cool that uh, Randy Moss is that much of an icon that he's got a move named after him because we remember him going up over cornerbacks' heads and just taking the ball from him like they're a baby. Yeah. Uh, so so that's good. But, you know, I don't know if you had heard about this part either as far as the criticism of Deshaun Watson, but uh, the social media, the the bane of your existence, as you say, is just the worst thing in the world, and, and I understand it is, why. It's, you the, lowest, it's the lowest common denominator of everything, but that's okay. Some grade school superintendent down in Houston put out there on his Facebook page for all the world to see, I'm sure before he took it down, that you should not expect Deshaun Watson to be able to make those kind of plays and make those decisions at the end of the games because you can't rely on a black quarterback to be smart enough to make those decisions. And it's like, wow, it's 2018 and we still got Rush Limbaugh disciples out here trying to uh, basically say that the the league is desirous to have a black quarterback succeed. That's basically <laughs> what he was saying by, by saying something like that. So it's, it's unbelievable that you still have some shit like that out there. Uh, well, okay. Unbelievable to who? I don't know. It's not unbelievable to me that there's one random idiot in a world of social media who can post something stupid on Twitter. And, and now, it, it, now, now at least we can talk about it and go, wow, I, I, you know, we can, we can sort of do this like sort of like outrage society thing and go, oh, I can't believe it. Yeah, I can believe it. This, this world is full of dumbasses. And you're... Your point is that with social media, there's just more opportunity for them to show Correct. their dumbassery. If if we didn't have Twitter, we didn't have Facebook, this guy would still be stupid. <laughs> he would still say these things. He would just say them to people who agree with him, or right, or or he would be like the stu- like, like the drunk uncle at Thanksgiving that nobody pays any attention to, just as a bunch of racist shit. And he's like, okay, yeah, he's just you know, don't, don't talk to grandpa. You know, he's just he's, he's had a few too many to drink. But now because of social media and Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, you, all it takes is one person to say something stupid and Twitter explodes. And now you can get you know, now you can get three or four like C-list celebrities to to respond to that. And like, oh, look, I punked you. And, oh, my God. Th- this is so you're falling into the trap. And, and again, the whole I can't believe. Now, if he posted, this and like, if he posted this and got three million likes. <laughs> OK. <laughs> That's a different story, but no, the world's just full of stupid people. 
I guess the part that I don't believe is all the blowback that you see other people get for saying stuff like that. And then you go and say it like you, how dumb can you be? And you're a superintendent of schools and you don't yeah. think this is ever going to get out to anybody at all. Like, really? So that's a the part that I, I guess in the world. Unbelievable. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't pretend to, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not fueled by the outrage victim society that we, everything is, oh, oh my God, I can't believe, yeah, no, I absolutely, I believe that. No, I, I, I think it's stupid, I, don't, I don't agree with it, that's not how, you know, it's not how I think, but can I accept the fact that there are people that think that way and they're stupid? Absolutely. There are dumb, dumb people in this world. I work with the public. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I really am left speechless sometimes by some of these people. They're like, how do you justify typing those type of things in and, and hitting enter? Like, how do you even think that that's okay? Yeah. Right. I mean, but that's that's no different than when you when you say, well, don't give me that. Well, you should have known better business. <laughs> now you're giving me the you should have known better business. You know, like, the, you know, the kid who retweets rap lyrics or something, you know, I was like, okay, yeah, you should know better. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing. We, we, can't, we can't just vote this guy off the island. We, we, you know, we, we just, goodbye, goodbye. No, you, you do exactly what should be done. You look at the guy, you point, you laugh, you ridicule, you mock, you, wow, you, wow, you're stupid. And he gets exactly what he deserves. Yeah, I, I guess that's uh, about the only way. Uh, well, I mean, but I'm not. I am not operating under a a delusion that that we are going to change people overnight. This is all pretty new, right? Right. This whole society that we live in, with 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 all of the access to everything. I mean, this is all within what last ten years. 10 or 15 years? Yeah. I mean, but no, I mean, we're we really, we're just really sort of gone into overdrive. That's even yeah. more recent. That's maybe within the last five or six years where it's just gone in, you know, nuts. I mean, I can think back, okay, you go back 10 years and you had like, like MySpace or something like that, you know? Right. Everybody had a blog. Yeah. But it wasn't like where you could just pull out your phone and, you know, drop some Twitter bomb or, or drop something or say something really ridiculous. Or it, you couldn't just do that 10 years ago the way you can do it now. And if you could, you you had a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> I still remember when Twitter first, when, when I first heard of the concept of Twitter, I called it blogging for idiots because you right. only had 120, you were right. 140 characters. <laughs> yeah. I guess I was. You were right. Because now, now it's just, and I use it. I use it the same way. I just try to say the most snarky thing I can in 150 characters. Because you're not going to go, you can't go real deep, right? You can't get into a lot of depth. So you, you can't really, you know. Well, you can, but that's called a thread, and that's basically a blog post. <sighs> yeah, right. But then it would be, in, the, in, the, in the day of Twitter, if I see, a, you know, the wall of text, I'm like, oh, I'm not reading that. <laughs> T L D R. 
I, I'm so unhip that I literally just learned today what TLDR meant. I had Too no long, idea. Didn't read. Didn't read. Yeah, I, I didn't right. know what that meant. Yeah. I've seen I, that, but I I can remember being on forums, uh, you know, sports forums, video game forums, and somebody would just be rage typing like this four <laughs> paragraph thing. And oh, like Jimbo in our chunk. sandbox. Yeah. Was- so this just giant chunk. And then the very first post of that's always TLDR. <laughs> just just to make just to make it worse. Yeah. You know, so yeah, that that's what that's what you get with stuff like that. So uh we always, we always keep it topical though. But no, yeah, I mean, you know, I know you I know you want to I know I know we wish that people didn't say things stupid like that and that there wasn't that just that whether it's about race or anything that somebody's like, wow, you know, Deshaun Washington's going to make bad decisions because he's one of them Negroes. Huh? Yeah. That, 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 that doesn't make any sense. When Deshaun Watson is dancing around in the pocket, right? And, and he's looking for a receiver down the field. And it has zero to do with the amount of pigment in his skin. <laughs> And just the well, the, and the thought of what what Russell Wilson has done in winning a title, and what Cam Newton did winning an MVP, and uh, what the this, even what Pat Mahomes is doing right now, like it doesn't matter. Like is it, one of those guys that obviously just tr- takes everything that would go against his point and just ignores that and throws it out because it, it doesn't suit his narrative. And there's so many people like that out there that mm-hmm. yeah, I would. I would go crazy trying to get mad or outraged over all of them. But it, something like that, I think, uh, makes news because of the fact that it's like a school superintendent and he's and he made these statements publicly. So that's the only thing. Because I'm sure there were a lot of – there were probably millions of people on Twitter saying similar things about Deshaun Watson. But because they're not, you know, of, of any sure. importance, then – we don't find out and about. This guy's not of any importance. He's in a position where he shouldn't be saying those things, but he's not like he's an important guy. Maybe it is in his community, but not in the we're not in the point where you now know who he is and what he said. I guess he's important enough that yes, I'll say that he should have known better. Yes, he should definitely have known better. Keep that to yourself. Keep keep your damn dirty racism to yourself, people. Oh, if only we could. Uh, and, and other <laughs> ignorant thoughts as well, of course. Uh, so what else oh, yeah. uh, about we week? Have, yeah, we have plenty of those. Yeah. So what else about week two uh, uh, stood out to you? We we tried to avoid the overreaction theater with our picks, and I think we did a pretty good job of that in general. Uh, now it's going to be week three. Do we uh, react or, or overreact to the uh. first two weeks? Uh, because it that's, that's seem... why I'm trying not to with my pick tomorrow night because all signs would sort of point towards picking the Browns and I'm trying not to react. I, I I am not trying to react to the fact to the point that they almost won football games. I think I'm picking against them because they almost won football games. And, didn't. and now we're expecting them to not just win but win by more than a field goal. Right now they're favorites. So they, they've, right. they've, they've shown us enough by choking like the dogs that they are, that they deserve <laughs> to be the favorites against a team that went on the road and just beat the living 
crap out of the Detroit Lions, and then last week looked pretty terrible. So the the Jets are they're one and one, and it's been that this is what you get with a rookie quarterback, right? They, they, you're going to get the high points and the low points, but they at least had a higher high than the Browns have had. They won a game that they did, yeah, in convincing fashion. Yeah, but the but Lions, how much did the Lions, that, the Lions are pretty bad. But I was just about to say, but what did that say about Detroit, though? <laughs> the way that they whooped their ass. Yeah, well, the Lions got you a fairly cheap cover against the 49ers. They had to mount a comeback uh, of their own to do that. Uh, and the, the actually the funniest part about that was that uh, comeback by Matthew Stafford actually – I needed that to win my fantasy matchup this week. So I needed oh. Detroit to come back and, and do something. I'm just looking at the results of, of that game. I'm not watching that game itself, but I'm looking at the updates and the, you know, and the scores and the fantasy updates. And I'm just like, come on, Stafford, give me something, do something. Cause uh, as I think I mentioned on the show, my quarter, my two fantasy quarterbacks this year that I, I didn't go up uh, in the early top of the draft and get a quarterback like Rodgers or Breeze or, or Brady or anything like that. I waited back a little bit and I decided to take two veterans and I'll just mix and match them and play the matchups. So the veterans that I took were Matthew Stafford and Matt Ryan. And this week I benched Matt Ryan and his two touchdowns and two rushing touchdowns. Oh. And so I'm watching that second game going Stafford. You got to do this for me. Cause if you don't, I'm going to feel so stupid for leaving Matt Ryan on the bench. Uh, but thankfully, Stafford came to for me late. Should have drafted Ryan Fitzpatrick. I guess so. So should or everyone Patrick else Mahomes. in the league. Yeah, I don't know if he's owned or not. I, was, I, I know Fitzpatrick wasn't owned these last two weeks because, you know, so everyone passed on him, but someone just picked him yeah. up today. So you of know course. what that means. Overreaction theater. But nobody overreacted to that first game against the Saints. They were like, okay, well, they whatever. Were playing, because they were playing the Eagles. And now he did it against the Eagles. We right? didn't oh. See, we didn't believe either. Now it's like, yeah, let's see you, let's see you do that against uh, the best pass defense. Oh, wait. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Just went right down the field on him. All right. Well. No, that's, that's not all I had. I think I could I could call it a night. Yeah, I guess I don't really have much uh, much of anything to add either. I don't care about the the Colts beating the Redskins. I told you the Redskins are trash. Uh, <laughs> they'll be up and down. Uh, I think they'll be mostly down. They got the Packers this week. They're one Aaron Rodgers knee twist away from winning that game. So were the Bears and the Vikings. <laughs> He's just going to shove this up your ass all year. All year long, hobbling the whole way. <laughs> he'll I he'll swear stick around just long enough to screw the Bears out of something. Like the Bears I, will miss the playoffs because of Aaron Rodgers. I tweeted about that then one be, play. Then, then he'll be done. Uh, I have done my work. I can. Go I now. tweeted about that that one, but that hand, uh, like I said, the one that he took off and ran for first down looked like he was uh-huh. carrying a piano on his back. And then comes back and gives a handoff and like almost falls down because his knee is so uh, 
ouchie from from running like that. And I'm like, oh, he's gonna leave the game soon. I just I just knew he was gonna be finished after that. Uh, but he, he kept hanging out. He almost stuck around long enough to 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 beat your uh, to beat your lock of the week. I, and he should have uh, with that that field goal at the end. He he, he should have actually. So I, I'm I'm still give him all the credit. I'm still in awe of of what he's doing out there. I still just wonder how long he's going to do it. So I am looking at the week here and I should be okay for Saturday again. I know that's your preferred preferred day for picks and I should be just fine for Saturday. That sounds great to me. That's uh, definitely what I aim for. Yeah, we uh we're actually in a bit of a trying to get into a bit of a rhythm anyway. We're uh, around here where Friday nights will be our sort of social night and I'm sure you and your wife probably try to do something similar. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to keep that night free as, uh, as well to spend some time with the, with the wife. And then Saturday will be the, uh, the picks show. Yeah. Okay. I'll be ready as ready as I usually am. <laughs> hey, your minimalist research such as it is, you're, you're always, uh, pretty much as good as I am picking these things. So, you know, Whatever works for for everybody, different strokes for different strokes, and that's what makes the show work. We give our opinions, however they're based, and let you make the decision, and and we just go from there. That's that's pretty much all we can do. I just do a lot more looking into mine because I, not because it makes me more prepared necessarily, but because I don't feel right if I don't do more uh, investigating and looking into some of these numbers. You know, if I pick a game where the one defense is really terrible and I should have known that by looking up the numbers and I didn't look, then it would be just driving me crazy. Like, oh, I should have seen that. I should have known that so-and-so's defense was awful. But so that's why I do what I do. But but either way, we're we're still having fun and we're still doing our thing. What's uh, going on with the – Baseball races are pretty much winding down, and uh, I guess the NL wild card is still up for grabs. Yeah, well, what Cubs and Brewers are two and a half apart, and that's probably the only division that's really still right. somewhat compelling. So, you know, but, but otherwise, yeah, baseball is baseball. Baseball, is baseball. You know, playoffs will be starting what two weeks? Two weeks. Yeah. The Rockies are still hanging around and uh and I believe the Red Sox are about to clinch over the Yankees and but but that was pretty much sewn up for a while now. Um but I think the Yankees are still in there for the wild card. So see how that all shakes down, I suppose. Yeah, it's gonna be uh-huh. Yankees, uh what, Yankees A's in the wild card game it's shaping up yeah. like I know you're looking forward to that because you're, you're bashing A's. I don't probably lose, but <laughs> for fun. Yeah, they, they, they slug away. That's, my, they, they that, know was what the they one, that was my one preseason thing that I can really, like, hold my hat on. Like, wow, I was on the A's. Who else was on the A's before the season even started? I was also on the Royals. We're going to not talk about that. <laughs> I was on the A's, and that's what counts. I wasn't going to bring up Kansas City. I, I was oh. not going to bring that up at all. All right. 
Alright, uh, yeah, we're both sleepy and loogie and had long days, so we're going to get out of here. Alright, he is... He is Jay. I am Dre. This has been uh, in much less detail the podcast. Uh, you you being the host tonight. Did you want to play us out? Oh yeah, I will here. Oh man, why are you putting me? You putting all the pressure on <laughs> me here? Well, I have to play. I have to play this for for Vontae Davis. Uh oh. Now that he's on his way out, we'll play him out. He gets to go spend all his money. (laughs) Everybody's got a price. Everybody's going to pay. There's a million dollar man. Million Dollar Man, and you will be bought. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.